Welcome to the Beyond the Game podcast hosted by Prep to Prep, along with Nate Smith and Harold Avin. I am Danny Kata. Today we're talking about the challenges facing coaches and administrators with multi-sport athletes in the compressed 2020-2021 high school sports calendar, as well as other issues that come up in this strange shortened season. So Nate, I'll start with you um, as an athletic director. Obviously, there are so many um, ramifications with uh, the, the, the compressed calendar. What are some of the things that you're hearing as an athletic director? One of the big ones that's already been coming across my desk, and, and it happens, is some of the parents out there are pretty panicked right now. The, the most common one I'm getting is girls' soccer. And the reason being that is that's a traditional winter sport. Um, you know, for us, it's being pushed into the spring is right in the heart of club season, state cup qualifying, um, all the showcases they go to, all the development stuff. And it's always been that's where they get viewed by the college coaches. And so right now, trying to navigate that, and trying to, okay, can we juggle high school and clubs since they're both allowed at the same time this year? How will that look? Um, that, that's a big concern I keep getting, uh, you know, aside if we're talking specific to student athletes. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of layers to this. Um, you know, coaches are concerned about facilities. They're concerned about sharing athletes. For the first time ever, we could be out having athletes who are in the team sports setting sharing for an entire season. You know, when we look at basketball being the same season, as soccer, as softball and baseball, all of it together. It's common to have a team and individual sports share athletes, but two team sports, it's pretty uncharted waters. And that's really what we're looking at is some possibilities right now. I know I'm at a big school. We don't have as much of it as small schools, but even so we have, I've already had a few athletes come to me saying, how can we make this happen? If so, how? And that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing the, the problems of, how the coaches are going to work it out with kids who are going to be playing two sports at the same time. And, you know, we, we touched on it with Ron Massetti too in the previous podcast with the amount of practice to time that they can have and so on and so forth. So, I mean, there's a lot of problems. Uh, and, and one thing I'm hearing, I know we're going to be talking mostly about girls sports today because we have two women coaches on, but, you know, one of the things I'm hearing from some football coaches, and we saw this coming, is they're worried about losing control because right now these third-party events are in full swing all over the place, okay? I mean, I'm seeing them on Twitter all the time. Oh, this quarterback blew up at this camp, and all these camps are going, and the coaches are worried. The coaches are worried. So I know I'm going to be talking to Ron Massetti next week uh, to see what what possibly they're thinking about doing because they – mentioned off the record that they were thinking about doing something, but nothing was official yet. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so many challenges. I mean, we also talk, you also run into these elite athletes, especially football players who are now opting out of the high school season. Right. I mean, we've heard probably a couple of those as well that, um, you know, they can get into the early program at their university. And so I know a lot of schools have been hit by that. So there's really a lot, we're uncharted territory here with, with regards to the athlete, just looking at the athlete side of things, not to mention, you know, facilities and all the other challenges that athletic directors are going to face. Well, one the, what we're, you know, some coaches are worried about the unintended consequence of a very well-meaning, you know, bylaw adjustment for this year, which is that the clubs and high schools can compete at the same time. And it's very well-meaning adjustment there because now we have high school seasons taking place during traditional club seasons. The potential complication with that is what if the outside organizations decide with that possible to extend their seasons. What does that do to the student athlete? 
with, with that going on. I was talking to a baseball coach today who's concerned that, you know, hey, the clubs have always waited until we've ended high school season to move them over to that. With them being able to do both, what's to stop them from saying, we're not waiting till June now. We're starting our travel season in April and we're going to get going. What will that do to kids' arms and overuse if they look at that as an opportunity to extend their seasons, extend those registration fees, and get rolling sooner with the travel circuit? And we're hearing that in girls' basketball too. Okay, two things I'm hearing, because you know that's my specialty, obviously, but two things I'm hearing. One is the coaches are concerned that after December 14th, they can no longer practice with the kids and then they lose control of them again until the end of March. Okay. So that's three months that they're, that they're, that they, they lose control of them. And the other thing that we're hearing is that for club basketball, particularly girls, it usually starts in April. Okay. Now they're talking about moving it to May, but that still would conflict with the with the season. So there's a lot of problems. Well, we'll continue the discussion um, at, toward the end of the podcast as well. But we go. Today we're joined by a pair of successful, influential women in the Bay Area high school sports scene. Margaret Fitzgerald has been coaching softball at Cloverdale High School for 30 years and has led her teams to 524 wins with a 79% winning percentage. Her Eagles teams have won 14 league titles and have been in 11 North Coast section championship games, claiming six NCS titles and five runner-up finishes. Cloverdale has won more NCS championships in softball than any other school in the NCS in all divisions. She has also coached volleyball for 36 years and has accumulated close to 700 wins with eight league titles, an NCS championship, and an NCS runner-up. She has also coached the Cloverdale JV volleyball team for 33 years. With an enrollment of about 400, Fitzgerald notes that almost all the top athletes play multiple sports. Just graduated Taya Bird and Fitzgerald's twin daughters, Krisha and Vanessa, were three-sport athletes at Cloverdale. The twins went on to play Division I softball, and Bird, who is arguably the top small school softball and basketball player in the NCS, is headed to Oregon for softball. Margaret, thanks so much for coming on today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks and Margaret, your husband said you, you sprayed a house today too. You helped him with his painting business on top of all this. That's unbelievable. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's multitasking these days, it seems like. Um, so Margie Bima started coaching varsity volleyball at Sacred Heart Cathedral in 2003 after coaching four years at the lower levels. In 17 years, her fighting Irish teams have won three West Catholic Athletic League titles, including last season, in a league that perennially, perennially yields state championship teams. Her teams have won eight Central Coast section championships, including last season's open title. Her fighting Irish have won five CIF Northern Regional Division Three titles, including in 2014 when they were the state CIF Division Three state champions. Beamer was recently named as one of the athletic directors at Sacred Heart Cathedral, but will continue to coach volleyball where her daughter, incoming junior Maddie, is an opposite hitter and middle blocker. Margie, thank you for coming on. How are you? Uh, great. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't we get started, okay? The subject is multi-sport athletes, the challenges uh, that the athletes have, the challenges that you have, Margaret, as a coach, and, and I mean, you're, you're coaching a lot of them up there, and you, Mar Margie, as both a coach and an athletic director. Why don't you talk about some of the challenges you, you have now, and now with the pandemic, it's going to be even worse. Who wants to go first? I will. All right. Go ahead. I've, and 
I'm always challenged because that like basketball goes all the way into March and softball starts in February. So I don't get my girls till March. So normally I don't schedule any games or anything until March. So I, it's like a whole month that I don't get them. That's the double athlete. Um, it, it happens all the time. So it's just adjusting. And to have the kids do double sports, you just, cause there's not enough athletes in small schools that are, you know, that, that are good enough to play all the sports. So it's, it's, it's challenging, but you just got to work with it as coach and you got to make the kids feel comfortable at doing it. So they don't feel bad about doing two sports and coming out late. And, you know, I, I just don't think that there's going to be three sports that are going to be in the fall in, in the spring. How are they going to choose? And I hate to make a kid choose. So, and hopefully we'll do that. They'll let us double up. So. Is, is that something that's being considered at small schools in particular? Like, like the idea of, of, of playing, obviously there's always been overlap between the seasons, but is there consideration about actually trying to play two sports at once? And of course, concerns about overuse would come into play, but how does, how does that happen? Or how does that deal with uh, a place like Clover, uh, Cloverdale? I talked to my athletic director and they're considering it, which like if a kid plays soccer, basketball and softball, they're all in the spring. So they're going to choose one sport. So he, they're considering it and we're, we're just going to have to sit down and work out all of the details when it, when and if we get a play. So, and the athletic director thinks that it that we'll be able to do it. So they haven't made a total decision yet, but we're hoping, you know, I'm just hope we probably won't have enough for JV teams because we're going to have to take those kids that were, would have been on JV. We're going to have to pull them up and teach them, teach them varsity level just like that. Um, because some of them aren't going to choose double sports. So Right. I, don't, I, don't, I still don't know what we're going to do. And Margie, how are you dealing with it at Sacred Heart Cathedral, both as a coach and now as an athletic director? Uh, well, I could speak to you more as a, a coach, uh, just in that I am brand new to uh, athletic administration. Um, I really feel for the small schools because uh, they rely more. We have more kids. We have, you know, an enrollment of 1300s and about half of our kids are athletes, a little more than half, about 700. Um, and so if a, a student, you know, their sports that they they normally do, for example, soccer um, players who also play lacrosse in the spring, and now those sports are at the same time, um, we probably I would think still would have enough to field a team. Whereas the small schools, those there's only a limited number of athletes in general. Um, and so unfortunately, not only is it a challenge for um, the player who wants to play two sports, or in, in some cases, I would imagine, Margaret, you probably have three sport athletes at your school. Um, I, have, I, I do. I have a lot of three sport athletes that just bounce with me, you know, and, you know, it's. Yeah. And so that's a, it's a much greater challenge, I think, for the small schools. Um, yes, it, I think it's for, for those athletes who are 
really strong two-sport athletes that we have. Um, a three-sport athlete is rare at Sacred Heart Cathedral, um, uh, but you know it's it's going to be hard-pressed to um, to have the the student balance everything. You know, it, you know, like Margaret said, if and when we're able to return. Well, you picked quite a time to get into it, athletic <laughs> administration, right? I mean, I don't think this season that you're going to face is tip, hopefully not the normal situation oh, at school. Let's but hope, you're, for all of our sakes. I mean, you must be running into all kinds of you know, interesting discussions. I mean, one of the things that's going to come out of this is, you know, this has been a topic even before the pandemic hit, is this idea of specialization in sports and in youth sports. And, and this is potentially, I mean, or most likely, even especially at the small schools we're talking about here, it's, it's going to, by necessity, sort of push kids back towards specialization, I think. Yeah, well, with the fact that the, the one uh, stipulation that normally keeps kids from playing the club sport during their high school season has been suspended for this year. Um, so, so now, you know, club sports are involved, um, you know, in the whole mix. And so, um, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. And uh, um, I, I feel lucky that I have a veteran uh, co-athletic director in Phil Freed um, and, you know, Joanne Mamono, uh, who just retired. She retired probably at the right time, but um, I got her on speed dial. So <laughs> if I need help. She can't hide, right? Calling. She can't hide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. She's not really retired. She doesn't yeah, know well, Not this year. Yeah. So, well, I I was going to ask uh, just real quick about the, cause you mentioned about the club sports and that's, you know, we were talking about that a little earlier and that, that, that could be a bit of a double-edged sword. I mean, cause now you got uh, theoretically or most likely, especially in soccer. I mean, we, this comes up in soccer a lot. I coach soccer myself in high school at Branham high school in San Jose and this tug of war that will most likely occur between the, um, the schools and the clubs and this and cynically a little bit, but you may look at it and say, well, the clubs, this may be an opportunity for the clubs to sort of, you know, rest some more of that power away. So what's your, what's your thoughts about that? Uh, I can speak to volleyball in that, um, you know, just having a, a, a meeting with the, the other coaches in our league in the WCAL last week. Um, we all, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of overlapping in coaching as well. And the one thing that um, we wanted to preserve the league schedule as much as, as, you know, like a full league schedule. Um, if we're able to do local tournaments, great. Um, and then really the one kind of uh, concession we gave to club was like, let's plan on not scheduling anything on this one big weekend where the older kids go to this one big club tournament in Las Vegas, because that's really where the college coaches come to watch them. Right. Um, and, and, you know, for their future, it, you know, that club tournament is really important for them. So then yeah. that, we're all kind of school first. Wow. Yeah. You were going to say something, Margaret? Yeah. Well, it's like coaches. We don't, we're not going to have enough coaches. I coach the club for volleyball, but then I'm going to be coaching softball. And then where are all those girls going to be already playing double sports and then doing this on Saturday and Sunday? And my JV coach coaches basketball, so he won't be able to coach softball. So in small schools, people double coach and like for basketball, I won't, my husband's coaching basketball. He coaches with me for 30 something years and he won't be there this year. 
you go, sorry, Margaret, I'm going to basketball. <laughs> you know, so you're how losing much, coaches. How much of a consideration, I, I've talked to this already, even at a big school, I'm at 2,600. Um, but we've already talked about this, how we deal with those other, those athletes who are doing club in high school. How much of that plays into, how much do you consider that if you know, okay, there's a big tournament on Saturday and Sunday. You know, do you consider adjusting your Monday, for example, if you play again on Tuesday and knowing that we need to look at possible overuse with our athletes and we need to take into account everything that's going on in and out of school, in and out of club. And, and how do you even monitor your own schedule? We have restrictions on student athlete hours, but what is your schedule going to look like and how do you stay healthy and sane during that time? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I, it's just, I've done it for years because I coach volleyball. I coach JV ball. I used to coach JV volleyball. And then I coach seventh and eighth grade. And then I coach softball in the high school level. So I'm constantly running, but I'm constantly always making sure that if Monday comes after a volleyball tournament, I'll never schedule anything on a Monday because kids are totally exhausted on Monday after a club tournament and you can't get much out of them. So you got to talk to them and say, Hey, look, you need to make sure that you get, you keep yourself healthy for the high school. High school is where you put a pennant on the wall, but then club is where you get scholarships, but not every kid gets scholarships. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's going to be rough. It, we're just going to have to be flexible, more flexible than we've ever been for our small schools. Yeah. So, now you both have you both have athletes in your family. Um, how do you advise the young the, the students who are in this situation that maybe play multiple sports, or even if they don't play multiple sports, maybe they're being um, uh, drawn by the club? Because obviously, uh, you're going to have a lot of kids who are really pent up, right? Because they haven't been doing anything or not much for the last several months, and now, you know, assuming everything goes to plan, when you know, when January rolls around, it's going to be like, okay, you have tons of opportunities to get on a, on a court or on a field or anything like that. So how, how do you advise uh, the students who are in this very new situation for them as well? Is school first, because you can't play unless you have good grades. Yes. And, and you can't go to college unless you have good grades. <laughs> and then take care of your health. And then we, we always talk about, because my children played all three sports. And then they played clubs, volleyball, and they played club softball. So I kept them busy just because I'm a parent and I didn't want them in trouble. <laughs> so I kept them busy. And, you know, and then they, one of them dropped off basketball just because she was a little more stressed. So I, and I just compromised with her, but she still had club softball that got her to D1. So parents have to just be more flexible and coaches have to be more flexible on these, on these kids and not stress them out. Because once and, and, they stress out, you're going to lose them. And Margie, what sort of discussions have you had with your daughter? What kind of conversations have you had during this time? Um, it's funny, just uh, in the car yesterday, I, I asked Maddie, um, have you ever thought about, you know, doing swimming in the spring, um, either with club volleyball or like letting go of club volleyball and just doing uh, swimming? Because she, you know, as a little kid, she she has big old feet and loose ankles. It's like she walks around with flippers on her feet. Um, but, uh, she really, um, and I'm, I'm happy about this knows what her limit is as far as, uh, time 
and time management. And she said, yeah, it's, you know, I love volleyball, so I don't want to give up any volleyball. Um, so, uh, like Margaret said, I balance, you know, take care of school first, health and uh, moderation. Um, I even in the last couple of years have, uh, scheduled fewer volleyball tournaments during my high school season because with the expansion of club you've probably seen this over the years too margaret um it just feels like they're playing all the time and it's okay to play a little less you're not going to get worse you're you know and it, it um i just think uh returning a little balance uh I don't know if, if COVID is going to do that for us, but I, I hope we, we slow down just a little bit um, and still go forward with the passion that everybody has for sports. I mean, um, yeah, balance and, and the, the student health at the forefront always. I mean, I've, as, as you all know, I've interviewed hundreds, maybe thousands of top level student athletes and the same thing, it's it, a lot of the same things come up with all of them. And one of the most important things that they talk about is time management. It's extremely difficult. There's a lot of pressure on today's student athletes, okay, to perform in the classroom, to perform on the field. And if they're two sport athletes, it, it, it's totally accentuated and it makes time management even more difficult. And, and now in the current situation, I mean, we... Time is almost standing still in a lot of respects. And it's, in some respects, it's even more difficult to manage time. How are you dealing with your, with your kids and, and helping them to manage their time right now? Staying in shape, staying physically strong, eating right. Well, you know, do you talk with them? Do you counsel them? Yeah, I have a lot of kids texting me saying, we miss sports. We want to be out there. And I'm, I'm constantly telling them, hey, go out by yourself. Go out with your friend that you've been hanging out with this whole time. And you can play volleyball by yourself. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you can hit it against the wall. You can pass to yourself. Um, some of them have made their own little hitting nets that they've found on the internet and are in the backyard. And they're asking me, coach, what kind of drills do you have for me? Um, so there I have some very avid volleyball players right now that really want to be out there and they couldn't go to camp. They couldn't go to Santa Cruz to the beach camp. So they're really, they're struggling. And I just tell them, get out there, find the friend that you always hang out with and do something. So ride your bike, walk by my house and say, hi, you know, <laughs> so cause I'm right on the path of going to the park. So their the kids are always stopping by or, distancing as, as you know you should and saying hi that we can't wait for school to start you know they want to be in school they want to be playing sports yeah. they don't want to be sitting around anymore what are you your kids marty um we i want to say uh the volleyball program we were maybe a week a week and a half into our spring spring workouts and when everything shut down and so we shifted to Zoom workouts right away. Um, we used the, the Zoom workouts as an opportunity for our rising seniors to lead the workouts and develop some leadership skills. And they did a phenomenal job. Um, our strength coach put together the workouts and, um, and the girls led them. So that was great. Um, so that went through the end of the, you know, up until finals. Um, 
And, and then over the summer, uh, we were able to do individual like six sessions over a three week period of time. Um, but it was, you know, with the, the allowance that San Francisco had for camps, um, where, uh, essentially just like Margaret said, it was pretty much individual skill drills. You know, you could toss the ball really high and take a big approach and hit the ball and then go chase your own ball. And, um, the kids were, the kids were excited to do that. Mark, I want to touch on something you brought up, which you, know, you mentioned the athletes getting a break, and maybe that could be a positive. Um, you know, I've seen that with some of our kids, especially our female athletes, it seems. Our, our girls' basketball coach mentioned it because we have a lot that play travel extensively, and he mentioned it when he did get to work out with the girls for a few weeks in the summer, like, wow, their legs look more fresh than ever. You know, they look like they could be really scary on the court this year. And I am a little bit worried that with condensing everything, we are at risk to seeing that go backwards again. Our athletes going seven days a week, you know, five games on a Saturday and Sunday. And, and Margaret, this morning on an NCS call that I was on with all the ADs, I had completely forgotten about the fact that so many schools played fall soccer, especially small schools. And now, like you mentioned, you're looking at condensing three seasons into one, you know, really in the spring. Has there been talk at a school like yours at, at Cloverdale of recommending maybe to the coaches, you know, okay, the end dates are set by the NCS and the CIF. Those are what they are. But maybe having certain sports cut down their non-league schedules, shrink their, you know, their early season, so it's not as much wear and tear on kids doing two and maybe even three sports at once, so those kids can juggle multiple sports, you know, without competing five, six days a week potentially. No, there hasn't been any, because I asked my AD, I said, do I do a full schedule? Do I do a... 24 and two scrimmages and you know they say no scrimmages just go to playing um yeah these kids are going to be dead i mean so you figure they're going to have tuesday thursday volleyball wednesday friday softball who's going to get them for mondays to practice who's going to get them for a saturday to for a practice do you alternate there's all that kind of talk you know if if it does happen their okay. practice time is limited too. So, I mean, there's you only, only get, yeah, you only get three hours of them. So you take an hour and a half and an hour and a half. And then there's basketball that, you know, what happens when basketball does all their technical stuff, walkthroughs and all that kind of stuff, you know, I don't know. It's gonna, yeah. It's gonna I'm, really, kill. I'm really curious also from an administrative standpoint, Nate, you could probably chime in as well, but Margie, I know this is all new, new for you on the AD side, but Incoming freshmen, I mean, obviously that's a it was a very important part of the athletic administration is to get kids involved their freshman year, right? And what, what are some of the challenges you face in this circumstance now? And you know, Nate, you can speak to this as well, but how do, you, how do we have some sense of normalcy for kids coming in from eighth grade to get uh, uh, incorporated into your sports programs? Um, you know, I... I hope we are able to have competitions um, and that our uh, freshmen will be able to experience that, um, being a part of a team and practicing, working out together. Um, I think even if we are, regardless of, of how things go, um, I still want them to, I still want to have a program. I don't know, it might look completely different. Maybe we're just, um, if we're not allowed to actually travel and do competitions, 
you know, we are still training in some way, shape, or form, even if it's in the smaller cohorts that uh, are more likely to, to be allowed um, moving forward early on um, when the, with the various phases. Um, I, I, you know, the teams help kids find their way sometimes in school. And so I think even if it looks different, we have to make it happen in some way, shape or form so that, uh, that they, they get at least a first step into the, the community to get their feet under them. I would agree there in, you know, for instance, volleyball is one of our biggest challenges because with the boys and the girls in the same season now, that's, a, that's something we've never faced before. And so when you're looking at court time and court space, you know, JV and varsity are definitely priorities. And we actually are looking at a lead model that places those together on the same days. And we've never played four volleyball matches on a weekday, but that's what we're looking at having to do because we wanted to keep a day or two set aside for freshmen. We don't have freshman boys volleyball in our league, but we have freshman girls. Last year, we had 95 girls try out for three levels of volleyball. You know, we don't want to lose that this year. Right. It's kind of a year. And, you know, and so for us, it's, yeah, we have to continue to provide those avenues. Uh, Margaret, I would guess that Cloverdale, most of your freshmen, that you don't have very many freshman-only teams with this school size, but you want to have a t as many freshmen as possible on your JV teams or varsity teams when they're good enough. And you want them, if they're going to be a three-sport athlete down the road, well, you want to see them be a three-sport athlete their first year and make that possible. And, and, and that's a big challenge this year, but I think it's one where we definitely have to work together to make it possible even if it's okay, this is your primary, this is their secondary, and you know, track is their number three sport, and they only run on meet days and they don't practice. I, I don't know. We're gonna have to think of ways to make it happen for student athletes so they don't lose that enthusiasm for the rest of their career. Oh, agreed, agreed. Because I, my, even when we were doing our workouts, when they let us work out, I had more freshmen than upperclassmen coming because they, they're working and whatnot, but my freshmen look good. They were happy to be out there. Um, they were just excited that they're going to be a freshman in high school. You know, it's part of the being part of a kid, you know, coming up to high school. So I don't know. It's going to, I'm hope volleyball, I think will be okay. Football will be okay because there's only two sports. They should have added a couple more sports in there, like soccer or something like that, to ease up the pain in the spring. So, yeah, and another, you know, another thing, and Nate, again, we can talk about this as well from an athletic director standpoint. And, and Margie, is the is the is there a consideration? This is kind of an open question, I guess. Is, is there a consideration because the learning, at least in the beginning, is going to be um, online um, primarily? at least in the early stages, is there some consideration of being creative with some of the scheduling that goes on with facilities, whereas maybe some students could take, take some courses, you know, more online and not have to, not have to show, like, I guess what I'm asking is you have certain classes that are scheduled for certain times, but, but they're zoom calls, right? At least in the early stages, is that mm -hmm. something that, well, if they're going to be zoom calls when the season starts, there's not going to be a season anyway, if we're, if we're still at that point, or is it, well, if there's Zoom calls, maybe we can be creative with some of the facility scheduling and have practice at two, uh, one in the afternoon or something, or you use the gym at 11 in the morning or something like that. I do think the reality, and Margie, you could you know, just correct me if I, if I state this wrong, or Margaret, correct me if I state this wrong, but the assumption that I keep hearing, and even from the top levels, is 
if we're not back on campus in some form, meaning at minimum hybrid, um, we're not playing sports. And that's, I mean, that to me, that's what I keep hearing. If schools are in full distance learning, the chances for us to have athletics going on are slim to none. Um, I don't know if other campuses or other leagues are feeling differently on that. Um, but, but that's basically what I hear is we have to at least be able to get students on campus in some way and in, in a more traditional schedule. I don't see us being able to move practice times any earlier in the day to accommodate that, um, you know, just because that, that would really, if all of a sudden we are able to be back on campus full time, now you're asking kids to juggle even more changes to their schedule. Right. Um, you know, I, I would rather have a consistent routine from start to finish as much as possible. Yeah, Nate, I agree. Um, the, I think also the, the messaging, you know, uh, to put athletics into the middle of a, a school day and, and uh, not to like, I wouldn't want the kids to, to think, oh, well, this is more important. I mean, we have to protect the school day, the schedule. I know that what our administration has done is, is tried to lay out a schedule that will work and be consistent whether we are fully on campus, partially on campus, distanced, so that there is the routine, whether you're getting up and able to come to campus for that class or whether you're getting up and you're you know, online for that class. And I think um, that normalcy and that routine is going to be really important uh, for kids to be successful in school. But earlier in the day, you know, 7 a.m. workouts, lifts. We all know that, you know. The kids got to start, some, start sometime, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> kids are used to early workouts. Listen, believe me. They and are. Even the girls, okay? I'll never oh, forget. Oh, for sure. I, I, went to, I, went, I went to visit Long Beach Poly, which is the largest high school in California. It has 5,000 students, Okay. And I went to an early morning girls basketball workout, okay? And at six o'clock in the morning, there were a hundred girls there. Yeah. Yeah, I've driven my son to a 6 a.m. volleyball workouts before. And, you know, they I wouldn't say he loved it, but he was there. <laughs> That's what, double days in the mornings. Exactly. It's like, okay, meet you at seven because I got to be to work by nine. <laughs> my, my volleyball coach does boys and girls. And so she's looking at going 6 a.m. boys and girls after school. And I'm going, please protect yourself at the same time. I, I don't, I don't want to be taking, taking you out of here, having to carry you out at the end of the season. That's yeah. tough. That's tough. the two seasons going at once now when they, when you had coaches that were coaching both boys and girls in separate seasons, that, that does make it tough. Yeah. You might start chewing out the wrong team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just going to have to look for, I'm going to have to look for seventh and eighth grade. Cause I coach seventh and eighth grade. I'm going to have to look for another coach. Cause there's no way I can do that and do high school softball. It's just so it's crazy because I've been doing that for 25 years just so that I can get down there and know my seventh and eighth graders as a coach and make them happy about volleyball. So now they're going to look at me and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> so they're not going to be happy. Yeah. Well, it's going to have to be a lot of creative thinking, I think, in the next few months here. But I, I guess the one certainty that we do have, at least, is that there's, there's some time to sort of map things out, whereas, whereas before we were just kind of 
waiting and waiting and, and, and trying to get some kind of um, certainty. So I think at least we have, uh, there's, there's some direction and, and hopefully everything in California gets, gets, gets under control and we can, we can all pursue uh, some, so, some sense of normalcy in our, in our 2021 seasons going forward. So well, the one um, thing every panel, the, the one thing every panel has agreed on and every coach we've brought on here is, and every athletic administrator is, if we are dealing with these problems in December, January, February, March, April, we will be happy to deal with them. That we will be happy to have gotten to that point and have the reality of juggling dual and tri-sport athletes. And it won't be ideal by any stretch of the imagination, but we will be happy to put in as much work as it takes to deal with it and make it work. Yes. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying for a season you know, because at my age, I don't know how many more seasons I've got to cover. So I want to cover next season right now. Bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Well, somehow Harold always manages to get the last word, but we do want to thank Margaret Fitzgerald and Margie Bima for coming on. Uh, it was a good discussion about some of the challenges that we all face um, in the next season coming up. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you for the love. And best of luck, Margaret and Nate with, with your programs this year. I'll be rooting for you. You too, you too. Thank you. So that was a great discussion that we had with Margaret Fitzgerald and Margie Bima about especially some of the challenges that athletes face during this time, multi-sport athletes in particular, and of course, the small school situation at Cloverdale, where they're used to having three sport athletes just to kind of keep all the different sports uh, running. But, you know, there's broader issues, obviously, it's going on here with regards to athletic programs and some of the logistical challenges that you face as an athletic director. Nate, you can speak to some of these with regards to facilities and some of the stuff that we alluded to in our discussion. But talk a little bit about kind of, again, some of the planning that's going on right now and assuming, you know, fingers crossed, everything is, is back in schedule in December. Well, I think it, it's what you just said right there, Danny, assuming everything's back going. And that's the assumption we have to go on right now. And right now, you know, the big thing is coordinating all these schedules for sports that aren't used to being together. You know, they're not used to sharing athletes. They're not used to sharing facilities. So uh, one of the big things, like my coaches no longer have unilateral ability to just go out and create a schedule um, because there's so much more going on. I mean, talk about the spring you know indoors we got girls basketball we got boys basketball we got stunt cheer going on in there we have wrestling going on and all these schedules need to be coordinated um you know so they and they there's some overlap with boys and girls volleyball from the season before so you know we really you know when teams want to schedule something yeah they got to run by the athletic director they can't they can't just go out and do it because there is there is a lot to consider and so there's a lot of people that have to be kept in the loop um, you know, we're looking at things, you know, things that you wouldn't have to think about before, you know, soccer will be in the same season as track. Um, so when both those teams are practicing, well, we're looking at, you know, temporary, you know, barrier up around the field that will prevent a ball from going out and hitting somebody. And, and just, just those types of things that aren't normally on the radar and we can't wait until the last minute to make those determinations or come up with those plans. So we have to make them now, you know, plan, you know, prepare, as if the best is going to happen, you know, and, and hopefully that that's what goes on. Hopefully we get to the best case scenario, but we can't get there and then be caught with our pants down because we didn't plan to get there. 
So yeah, I mean, those are some of the things to, that are happening right now is just scheduling, facilities, safety considerations. Um, you know, and then the big thing is, which everybody keeps throwing up in the air, will we have fans? Will we be able to have gate? How are we going to fund sports if that, if that doesn't happen? And, you know, working on contingency plans for that already in the just-in-case scenario. And, you know, I've had different coaches around the area. You know, we're reaching out talking about tournaments, you know, whether or not they'll happen. And Harold alluded to it, you know, in a discussion we've had with him and, you know, can tournaments even be viable financially? And I've had a couple of coaches say to me, well, shoot, you know, we only make a thousand bucks or so on a three-day tournament once we have all of our costs. And, and now we're going back to the drawing board. Okay, what are these costs? Are all those costs necessary? How can we offset that? How can we just get to the point, you know, past breaking even to where we continue these things and keep the opportunities for our student athletes alive you know, while, while trying not to uh, completely break our budgets and end up in the red at the end of this year. That's yeah. my concern. That's my yeah. biggest concern. Yeah, I mean, at Brandon, I was essentially told or notified by our athletic director that don't really count on the typical five-day-a-week schedule um, when soccer season hits, you know, because you mentioned there's going to be so much facility challenges. There's always been with, you know, with girls soccer and boys soccer playing at the same time, but nice. Like you said, you have track, maybe there's going to be track meets on certain days that we obviously can't be practicing out there during a track meet and in other, in other situations like that. But I mean, for, for a soccer coach, um, our biggest challenge is really going to be the club situation. And, and because, you know, my philosophy has always been pretty simple as a, as a coach. When we have our introductory meeting with the players and the kids show up, those are my guys. I mean, I'm going to, whoever shows up to that meeting, those are the guys I'm going to work with, whether they're the, the, the greatest players in the world or whether they're, they're not. And so as far as the, I've never really gotten into the politics with regards, you know, to the, to the club coaches and stuff like that, you know, trying to, trying to deal with that tug of war. But my concern really from, for this particular season is going to be this issue of overuse um, and having, you know, you alluded to it, Nate, during the, during, during the talk is, uh, you know, a kid may have an important club tournament Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, obviously we're not going to schedule games on Saturday. We're going to do our best not to this year. Um, you know, having you, – you can't just have kids having practice Monday, Tuesday, or game Tuesday, Wednesday practice, game Thursday or Friday or whatever, and then have another games on the weekend. And so we look at it at trying to at least to do our best to try to build a big a squad as possible and treat it almost like professional teams do, European teams do when they're going through – a um a campaign where they have the regular season and they have the uh you know like european cup or you know your your european league champions league um going on concurrently and you almost have two sets of teams that you try to get through the the the, the calendar that's how we're trying to look at it really at this point and th the problem is it's not just one club we have kids from maybe 10 different clubs so and there hasn't really always been a lot of cooperation from you know with high school and club in fact i would say it's the opposite really club is always in, in, you know, historically looked a little bit down on, on high school. And so there's that, hey, what are you doing wasting your time playing club? Or I'm sorry, playing high school. You know, club is where it's at. And so th that's going to be just from a, from a headache standpoint and just, uh, again, health and safety of the players is going to be a real challenge for us. That's my biggest concern, okay? My biggest concern, and I've heard this from some administrators, uh, people high up that are worried, okay? The unintended consequences of the relaxation of the club rule, okay? And Nate kind of alluded to it uh, a little earlier, all right? And that is 
the unintended consequences of relaxing that rule is that the floodgates have been opened, okay? And once the gates are opened, it's hard to close them, okay? And so you've got all these events going on. And some, some people actually think that the relaxation of this rule could spell the end for a lot of high school sports because club will be so entrenched, particularly if we have problems getting these seasons off the ground and the school districts or the, or the parishes impose stricter regulations than the actual community and these clubs are promulgating all over the place and the kids gravitate to them and it, 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 could, be, it could be disastrous for, for a couple of the high school sports and I, soccer could be one of them. Volleyball also could be in one of them. I will throw back out there that I think we also agree, though, that that, that relaxation of that rule was a necessity this year. Yeah. Um, because you, you couldn't fight that battle and win it. No. And so that relaxation was a necessity. Um, I do just, you know, we all know there's going to be some times when there's conflict. And it could happen at the worst of times. If you look at, for instance, the softball calendar, and you look at where the NCS or the CIF regional championships occur, you're also talking about one of the same weekends where the PGF qualifier in Denver, Colorado takes place. If you have a top player who's supposed to go pitch or play in a high school section championship or a regional game, but they're also being told by their travel coach, we're going to Colorado for the PGF qualifier and there's going to be 60 scouts there, which one are they going to choose? And granted, that, that was unavoidable this year. This, it had to be relaxed. The conflicts had to come up. I'll say it again like I've said it many times. If we get to that point and we're dealing with that issue, we'll be happy to do it because we'll have the ability to have a season. Um, that's a st I have to keep that mindset, even though I know these things are on the horizon. Well, during uh, Nancy Lazenby Blazers last year as the CA CCS commissioner, this actually this issue this issue came up at a soccer meeting, a CCS soccer meeting, when we discussed the um, the idea of of relaxing or eliminating the outside competition rule. And as a coach at the time, see, again, my philosophy has been, look, just build the best program you can and people will be attracted to play for it. You want to make, you want to make a program that people are going to want to be a part of And high school. We know the differences between high school sports and club sports. Um, high school is, is you're playing with your friends. Maybe you grew up with these, these people and you're going to have, you're going to have, reunions 20 30 years later discussing some of the things that happened whereas that's not that doesn't happen in club um whereas club obviously you have opportunities to further your own career because that's really where a lot of the attention especially in soccer and we don't even see the top top players um historically in, in high school soccer anyways because of uh of the you know the the, uh, the club situation so um yeah i mean it was it was an interesting discussion at the time and, and it seemed to me well why would why wouldn't we relax that 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 bylaw and now that it's coming to, to fruition, and I agree with Nate, there really wasn't much an alternative. I mean, how else could you possibly go through a season like this when you have seasons just completely flat on top of each other and just now you're just flipping a coin? Which one do you want to play? I mean, and some kids are going to play high school. Some kids are going to play club. And again, at the end of the day, we just hope that um, we don't lose programs because of it, that there's enough enough participation in the, in the high school teams um, to be able to, to run a normal season. So, now yeah. just once the genie's out of the bottle, it's hard to get the genie back in the bottle, okay? And so, you know, 
It's a one year movie Aladdin. They got him back in there pretty well. <laughs> I don't think high schools are going to get rid of that bylaw rule. I really do think some things are once in a one once in a lifetime type events. And this was, you know, th- this is a very unique situation. Obviously, I don't foresee coaching soccer as much as I like to do it. I don't foresee coaching soccer in the spring very often because, man, I, those cold nights get to you after a while. My bones start hurting after a while. I'm just but, telling you, when you give, I've been dealing with clubs. For over 20 years, okay? And when you give the club an inch, they take a foot, okay? And they got an inch, and it just – I'm concerned that when the rule changes back, it's going to be more problems than in years past. That's all. Yeah. Well, that very well could be the case, and we'll we'll find out. But like like we said, there's really – there was no nothing else we could do at this point, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, like 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 Nate said, I mean, we can only prepare for the the possibilities that and hope they come through, and we can actually deal with some of these problems. Because otherwise, the alternative is uh, we much we would have much bigger problems to to worry about if we can't play high school sports in the spring. I think we have much bigger fish to fry at that point if we're still dealing with the effects of this pandemic in a major way. So. With that said, we hope you enjoyed this edition of the Beyond the Game podcast. Once again, on behalf of Nate Smith and Harold Aben, we would like to thank our guests, Margaret Fitzgerald and Margie Bima, for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to the Prep to Prep Beyond the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. And don't forget to visit us at preptoprep.com and follow us on Twitter at prep to prep Sports and Instagram at prep to prep For all of us at prep to prep thanks so much for tuning in.